0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Love and Relationships podcast, a hotline style show where people call in with all of their questions about love, sex, dating, singleness, marriage, and mental and emotional health. I'm your host, Deborah Falada, and I'm so glad you're tuning into these candid, unscripted conversations where I answer your questions in short, bite-sized, practical answers. For those of you who don't know me, I'm a licensed professional counselor relationship expert and author of five books. I also run the popular relationship advice blog, truelovedates.com, reaching millions of people with the message that healthy people make healthy relationships. If you have a question that you want me to answer on this show, send it by voice memo to deborah at truelovedates.com or submit it on my podcast page, truelovedates.com slash love and relationships, and I'll do my best to get it answered on one of the episodes. Let's dig in to today's topic. Today's question comes from Cindy from San Diego. Hey, Deborah. with everything we have on our plates these days, we're expected to do it all. How does one balance the work, life, ministry demands without reaching burnout? Friends, I'm so grateful to introduce you today to Christy Wright to help me tag team This really important question, you know, I mean, there's been so many changes and so many expectations and shifts and stressors. And, you know, Cindy from San Diego really has a good point. How do we do it all? How do we balance life and work and ministry and not burn out? And you guys know, I'm a huge advocate of our mental and emotional health and making sure that we don't reach burnout. So I thought Christy would be the perfect co-host for this episode because she has been having all kinds of conversations around this subject. So Christy, it's so nice to have you. Well, thanks for having me. I'm so excited about this. Before we kind of dive into this question, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and why this
1: question matters in your world? Yeah, well, I have been a certified business coach for over a decade And what's so interesting is in over 10 years of teaching people how to start businesses and grow businesses, the number one question that I'm asked is not a business question. It's this question. How do I balance it all? And I'm asked it by men and women, those with kids, those without kids, those in business, in careers, stay-at-home moms, any age, any stage. It doesn't matter. And so to me, as a person that is a problem solver, I wanted to solve this problem for people. I wanted to at least help because it's so obvious what a huge problem it is. And having three kids in five years and a busy career, and I'm in seminary, I have a lot of irons in the fire as well. So I get it. I feel that strain and that pressure. And so to me, I think one of the things that has been so frustrating about this space is not just that everyone has this problem. I think that that we do have this problem with time and balance and so on, but the the undercurrent of it, the issue behind the issue that just kills me is you have people walking around every day feeling like they're failing yeah, and they're not. yeah. And so there's something in me that wants to shine light and hope into this space that is so ridden with guilt. That's why I love the tagline of the book, the guilt-free guide Mm -hmm. to life balance because I don't want to just fix the calendar. I want to help you enjoy your life that that calendar represents. So to me, there's there's issues behind the issues and I want to help solve it there so that it doesn't keep creeping up in the same way that it has in the past for people.
0: Yeah, it's so true. And that is something that I think is such a valuable statement. For me as a counselor, I always say we've got to get to the root. Mm-hmm. And and for you, it's there's issues behind the issues because there are. And I think when we talk about burnout, I think one of the very first thing that comes to my mind is we we automatically think that just means I need to say no more. And I think that's part of the process. But it's a short-term solution. I mean, you, you all get to a point where life is crazy, you feel overwhelmed, and what I find a lot of people do is they just withdraw in those seasons. Mm-hmm. They look at their calendar, it's like, okay, we're clearing everything, we're not doing anything, we're, you're dropping right. out of this, we're dropping out of that, we are pulling out of Bible study. Like You get to that breaking point, and then you break, and then you say no to everything for a season, but then with time, you get right back into the cycle, right back into the rat race. And that's because just stopping to say no is a short-term solution. Getting to the root of why we tend to say yes is the key to long-lasting healing. You know, there's reasons that we say yes to so many different things. And like you said, one of them is guilt. We feel guilty. We feel like we're letting people down. We feel like we're not good enough. We feel like we don't want to disappoint people. We feel like it's wrong to say, I don't think I can handle anymore. I mean, there's so many reasons that people just get to a point of, I would say, unhealthy overwork and overload. And what are some of those reasons? that Have you seen, I mean, you mentioned guilt, but have you seen people have different motivations underneath the surface or maybe even in your own life? Like, What does that look like for you?
1: Yeah, you make a really good point because I think even in relation to burnout, we think, oh, I just need to do less. Maybe. Maybe you need to do less. Maybe it's not that at all. You could, Let's say, for example, someone has 20 things on their plate, and that's too much for them, and they cut 10 out, and they could still feel burned out if those are the wrong 10 that they left on there. And so that's why I love helping people reclaim this word and redefine this word and say life balance is not doing everything for an equal amount of time. It's about doing the right things at the right time. And the good news is you get to decide what's right for you. And so to your point— one of the things I do early on in the book is I is I peel away the layers and say, hey, every single commitment on your calendar, every single task on your to-do list represents a deeper motivation inside of you. Yeah. And if we don't question that, if we don't start there, then we could clear our calendar or even improve our calendar, but those issues are going to creep up again and again. So for me, there are several temptations, and this list is not exhaustive but a few of them that I highlight in the book that I struggle with, that I know a lot of people struggle with. One, this need that we have to be loved. And it's of course normal and healthy to need to be loved. But the problem is we will wear ourselves out, burn ourselves out trying to earn love from others. And we think, especially as Christians, oh, well, I just can't help it. I just love to help people. And I heard a pastor say years ago, something that stuck with me. He said, there's a very big difference in doing something to be loving and doing it to be loved. Yeah. And I think if we're honest, we're trying to earn love. We're trying to get people to love us, accept us, approve of us, affirm us, and so on. And and when it gets into that unhealthy place where we then feel like we only are our accomplishments, we only are how we can serve and love our, others in a, in a productivity kind of way that can be dangerous where we are our to-do list. Um, and of course, we know we are so much more than that. Another thing that I'm guilty of is um, the need to be the hero, the need to be... Save the day, be Mother Teresa. Someone's like, Oh, I have a problem. We need a, you know, exos. I'm like, Oh, I'll do it. You know, I want to raise my hand and save the day. I I need to feel needed. It makes me feel good about myself. Um, There's a temptation I have to prove myself either at work. I say yes to everything because I want to prove I'm dedicated, prove I'm good enough, prove I deserve this position. And then the same in my life and home. I want to say yes to everything at my kids' school to prove that I'm a good mom. Yeah, I want to have them in monogrammed matching clothes for the Christmas party because I want to prove that I'm a good mom. Right. And of course, at the surface, we don't think that's what's going on. We don't think we are trying to earn love, prove ourselves, be right. the hero. But if we peel away the layers of the onion, we can get to some deeper motivations that might be hard to face, but are actually very freeing when we can acknowledge them and then find the healthy truth in that. And so um, at the simplest level, you can ask yourself, why am I doing that? Yeah why do I feel the need to say yes to all these things at my kids' school? Or why do I feel the need to do all these things at work? Why do I feel the need to put my children in monogrammed outfits? Is it because my two-year-old cares what she wears to the Christmas party? No. right. Right. It's because I care if I'm honest. And we have to be willing to be honest here, like, or else this work will not get done. Or is it because I care what the other moms think of me? Yeah. And this is a very um, powerful work that we can do with this deeper motivation that, believe it or not, will set us free at the calendar level, will set us free in our roles and responsibilities and commitments. This is not a book about how to do more. This is actually a book that's going to set you free in your life in a time when I believe uh, we desperately need it.
0: Yeah, that's so good. I, I, I think it's so important to ask that hard question. And I think something that some people don't understand is oftentimes you can find the why and say, okay, it's because I have a need to be loved. And I feel like if I do for you, it will help me feel loved. But there's even a deeper layer here. The next layer is where did you learn that mentality? Where did you adapt that as the norm? And for so many people, when you go back into their history, you know their childhood, their family of origin, those childhood wounds, you're going to find some sore spots, things that you have learned and adapted into your life as as to your underlying motivation stemming from childhood. You know, I've worked with so many people who who say, well, yeah, I do feel like I want to be loved, and here's why I'm doing all these things. I have a hard time saying no. And then when you dig a little deeper, they come from a home where performance equaled some sort of affirmation, some sort of value, some sort of statement that you are worth it when you do And I even honestly have to be careful with my own children because I come from a performance-based background because I am the daughter of immigrants and they work their butt off to make it in this country and they're Christians, but you have a tendency to kind of adapt what you saw growing up. And for me, it was the connection that working hard, accomplishing somehow brought value. And so I've had to work through that. And, and even coming from a good Christian home, some of those underlying messages followed me through life. And so I make it a point now with my kids to be really careful to, to affirm them with what I call statements of who they are, not just affirmation statements for what they do, not just great job doing this or thank you so much for cleaning this, but I just love you. You are so funny. I just love that you're my daughter. And I just wonder how many of us You know, maybe we don't have kids, a lot of you listening don't have kids of your own, but how many of us need that type of affirmation over our own life? Affirmation from God that says, you're good, you know, you're good standing alone because of who I am. Like You don't have to do in order to be valuable. And I think it's kind of a daily routine, fighting off some of those messages that make us feel like our value comes from our accomplishments,
1: well, and we live in a world that rewards the exact opposite. We live in a world that rewards the hard work, the come early, the stay late. You yes. are your accomplishments in our world. Those are the headlines. Those are the accolades. Those are the awards. Those are the promotions. Those are the raises. Those are even what we perpetuate in our friend groups. You talk around the water cooler at work or around the you know PTA meeting. It's like, oh my gosh, you're super mom. Oh my gosh, right. how does she do it? And there's a little bit inside of us that goes, oh. I'm good, right? I'm good because they're impressed by me. I'm good because I've wowed these people, or this is why I got this promotion, or I got this, um, you know, this affirmations from these people, and so it reinforces. And you know this better than anybody, but it reinforces on a psychological level. Do that more, right? Do that more. It is very hard to go up current, yeah, when the whole world is moving 100 miles an hour in one direction. For you to step out of that race and go. I'm going to be okay with me apart from my to-do list. I'm going to question what I say yes to and what I say no to and not react. I'm going to not send a Christmas card this year because the very act of buying the stamps and getting the photos and printing the cards stresses me out. That goes up current and it's hard to go up current. It's hard to go against a world that is pushing, pulling, shouting your name in the other direction. And so that's why I think this conversation is so important because... The current, the direction the current is going is directly to burnout. Yeah. The direction this current is going, full speed ahead, is complete yeah. exhaustion and it's full of anxiety. Yeah. And so, is it worth it to go up current? Yeah, I think it is, but it doesn't mean it's going to be easy.
0: Yeah. You don't have to do anything to end up burnt out, <laughs> like because it's such a natural progression mm-hmm. in our society. And honestly, I found that the people who are most passionate about this are the ones that have reached burnout. you know, Mm -hmm. And I could say the same for myself. I think I'm passionate about this subject because I know what it feels like to walk through clinical anxiety, clinical depression. Now, there are many underlying reasons to that, but one of those reasons was because I was doing too much. Mm -hmm. And and it's the high performance people who don't know that they're vulnerable because they kind of stuff some of that until they hit a wall. And and now what? It's like all of a sudden, you can't actually do anything because you feel incapacitated. You feel anxious. You feel overwhelmed. And then comes the real question, am I still valuable? Having a process through that, am I still valuable now that I literally can't do anything? I feel stuck. I feel overwhelmed. And I think that is, in a way, the beauty of when God can speak those truths into our lives of saying, yeah, you are still valuable in this moment because of who I am and, and then learning to carry that with us through the rest of life. Do you think it is actually possible to do it all? Like, like the question is, how do I do it all? How do I balance it all? So, so what is your kind of default answer to that question? Before we continue this important conversation, a quick word from our sponsors. Have you been looking for a good counselor to walk you through a personal or relational issue? We're excited to let you know that the Deborah Felata Counselors Network is officially open and taking new clients. I decided to start this counselors network to provide high-quality, faith-based, counseling-focused resource for clients who are struggling in any area in their personal or relationship life. It's a network of licensed professional counselors who are trained and supervised under me, integrating faith and psychology to help people truly heal from the inside out. Our team of counselors is officially taking on new clients. The appointment times are on a first come first serve basis. So check out our list of counselors, their specialties and their availabilities and book a session by going to deborahfileta.com counseling. That's D-E-B-R-A-F-I-L-E-T-A.com counseling. We're so excited to see the healing that God is going to pour out. And we're so grateful to partner with you on this journey. Book your session with us today. Do you think it is actually possible to do it all? Like, like the question is, how do I do it all? How do I balance it all? What is your kind of default answer to that question? So
1: I, I do think that you can do the things that are important to you but not all at the same time. So if we want to get really literal here, yeah. most people probably have 7 to 10 things that they care about. Things that are important to them from being in a church, you know, date night with spouse, fitness. These are general categories. Most people probably have 7 to 10. And I that that 10, like on my 10, it would even include house projects. Yeah. Like as tactical as that is, I enjoy house projects and that does take time, so I need to acknowledge that it's something that I care about but I can't do them all at the same time. And that's where I think we miss the mark because we feel this pressure to do everything for an equal amount of time or everything all the time. So you might have seven to 10 areas of your life that you care about. You're probably only going to have time for three to five of those at any given time. Yeah. So that's where, as tactical as this is, that's where it comes down to prioritizing and saying, hey, in this season, or even this week, these are the areas I wanna focus on. So for example, this summer, because it was a lighter season in my world, my work is lighter in the summer, more things made the cut. I maybe had five or six that made the cut that yeah. got my time. My house was pretty clean. I played with my kids. I took Fridays off. I got my work done. I worked out, and I saw my friends. Yeah. Okay, all those things were happening because it was just a lighter season. Right. I am in a very different season now. I'm launching a book. Three things make the cut in the season. I'm launching the book and that comes number one from a tactical calendar perspective. I say yes to every opportunity I can to help people with this book. Number two, I'm gonna see my kids. Those are always gonna make the cut. Right. My kids are making the cut, even if it looks different, different seasons. And then number three, I'm in seminary. All three of those are very consuming. So because they're very consuming, less things make the cut, only three in this season. Yeah. It doesn't mean that I don't care about my friends or clean house. It's just not a focus right now. And so the way that I help people discern what, what they should be doing in any given time is just ask yourself this question. What's right right now? Of the 10, what's right right now? Knowing that what's right right now, when you identify that, it's going to give you permission to focus on it. But here's what's huge. It's going to help you shake the guilt for all the things that are not right right now. Yeah. So I can step over toys in my house and not beat myself up for being a bad mom and, and a, a mess because my house is a mess. I just look at that and go, oh, girl. This is not the time for a perfectly kept house. Right. That's not right right now. You're reading 300 pages a week in Revelation. Right. You're doing great. Yeah. So can you do it all? Not all at the same time, but I think you can do all of those seven to 10 main categories that are important to you over the course of your life and even a year. I love that. As you focus on what's right right now.
0: I love that. And I resonate so much with that. My friends call me an essentialist. One of those people who kind of just with my time, not necessarily in my material life, if you yeah. look in my closet, you wouldn't say I'm an essentialist. Sure. But but with my time, like I feel like I'm pretty cutthroat when it comes to saying no and what Same. I don't uh, what I'm not going to do, what I'm okay with That's not right. doing. And you, what's interesting is, you know, you do so much around business and finances and budget, and this is just another way of viewing budget, right? We right. we tend to look at our time as if it's an unlimited resource. I mean, practically, our time is actually numerical. Like we have a very limited quantity of time. But not only that, our emotional expenditure is also limited. We just can't see it. And so we assume that we've got this unlimited emotional expenditure. And so we give it freely. And the problem is that's not a healthy way of seeing it. We've got to see it just like we would with our finances. We've got to have a budget for it. There's a certain amount of time can be allotted to certain things, and then I'm out.
1: Yeah, well, you make a good point because it's the most finite resource that we have. More than anything else, money, we can go make more money. (laughs) You can sell some stuff on Facebook Marketplace today and make more money that you didn't have. You cannot get a single minute more. And what's interesting is because we struggle within the constraints of the how finite our time is. We just try to solution that by multitasking, right. by being more efficient, waking up earlier, having another cup of coffee, and we just end up exhausted. I so know. it's actually not about... See, we think the path to balance is productivity. I need to be more productive. I need to get more done, be more efficient, more multitasking. It's like, that in it. That actually does not lead to you being more balanced at all. It leads to you being exhausted. right? Instead, if you can figure out what is right for you for those 24 hours a day that you have, you can feel balanced and still be busy. You can be balanced in an out of balance world, but it's not because you're doing everything all the time. It's because you're deciding ruthlessly, like you said, yeah, what's right for you. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what your friend is doing, it doesn't matter what your neighbors are doing. The thread that I pull through this book again and again is this is your life. Yes. No one gets to tell you what should be important to you. You have permission to spend it on what's right for you. In fact, if you don't protect what matters to you, no one can do that for you. No. So I just want to reiterate again and again, this is your life. You get to decide what's right for you. I'm just going to show you the steps to actually spend it on what's right for you.
0: I love that. And I, I use this scripture a lot for relationships in a very practical way, but I talk about how scripture says, guard your heart. It's such an overused verse, but it's because it's so true. And to me, nobody else is going to guard your heart. It's not even guard your neighbor's heart, guard your spouse's heart, guard your friend. No, guard your own heart. Like it is yours and you've got to protect it. You can't put that on somebody else. You can't put that on the PTA. You can't put that on your church board and ministry. You can't put that on your friends because they don't know what you can and can't do. They don't know how you're feeling internally. They don't know your limits. You've got to communicate and you've got to guard your heart. You've got to be aware of what you need. The other thing that I tend to use as motivation is when I'm doing more than I should be doing, I'm actually robbing the, the people that God has called me to. So I look at it in that way, it's like when I give too much outside of the specific things that God has called me to, I am robbing the things that God has called me to. It's kind of like I guess viewing your your money. Like if you're if if God has called you to put your money in a certain way and you decide I just want to put some of it over here as well, you're robbing God and you're robbing others of of this allotted resource. And I think it's the same way with our ministry. With our friendships. I mean, who has time for a lot of friends in certain seasons, right? Like, there's probably seasons of just kind of focusing in on a few people, focusing in on a few things. You're, like you said, you're probably not seeing as many friends in this season. Not that you can't invest in other ways, and that doesn't mean we're neglecting our friendships and letting them drop off the face of the earth, but it's going to look different. In different seasons. And if it doesn't look different in different seasons, then you're probably about to hit burnout. (laughs) It's probably around the corner.
1: You make a really good point because what you said a second ago of like, of the guard your heart, I I love to remind people no one is ever going to tell you to slow down. Yeah. Your kids are never going to say, Mom, take a break, put your feet up, (laughs) let me fix my own dinner. Never. (laughs) If they do, teach me your ways. Your work is never going to tell you to slow down. You're ne- you cannot depend on other people that need you to be responsible for your health, your well-being, and so on. And, and to your point, the idea of robbing one area because you're over here, I think so often we think if someone needs us, it must be God. Yeah. If someone needs us, God must be in that person asking us. So we must respond. We are obligated. We are guilted. We are called, whatever, to say yes to all these things. And the thing that I love to remind people is If you would stop and pause and ask God or pray or give that person, say, hey, let me think about it, where you actually, I don't know, think about a decision before you make it, you might find that God is not calling you there. There have been things I said yes to in reaction mode and I end up resentful and I'm exhausted because I wasn't supposed to be there. And then in the middle of this, I'm like, I'm all up in arms and God's like, that was never for you. Yes. Had you asked me? I would yes. have told you that was not for you. You're feeling exhausted, like it's taking so much energy, like it's not right, your heart's not in it, because I never asked you to go there. Right, and then we blame him. You just decided you were going to be the hero. You're if right. you look at Scripture, Jesus did not heal everyone that was blind. He had boundaries and good ones. He went where his Father led him. We would be very well served to just stop. And and what if our default answer instead of yes, our default answer was, let me think about it. And then you actually pause And think, maybe get back to them tomorrow or next week and ask God, ask a trusted friend. I I ask my husband all the time. He's a great sounding board and he can be like, hey, Christy, let's think through this. Will you want to do it then? Is this right for you? Is this a priority? Is this the wise decision? Just think. We make decisions all day, every day without thinking. If you would just think, you might find that God's not calling you there, and then you're going to have time and space and clarity yeah. around where He is calling you.
0: It's so true. And according to Scripture, I mean, we're each given different gifts, you know? And so sometimes I think in that pursuit of saying yes and not wanting to feel guilty, feeling like every person that comes our way in need is from God, I think you also have to realize, like, where can I be the most effective? Where am I the most gifted? And then where do I need to step aside and say, you know what, this isn't the best match for me. I'm not going to be the best at this for you, but let me help you find somebody who will. And you know very quickly, and, and you know this as well as I do, you know that it's not just about seeing the need and meeting it because just open your DMs on any given day. And for me personally, there's like hundreds of requests for counseling, relationship issues, personal life. Like, I can't be everybody's counselor. And and you learn to take that and apply it to other areas of your life and your ministry and your work and focus on the few things that God has called you to in this season. And I love love this message. I think it's so powerful. Um, I think it not only will change a business, it will change a relationship. It could change a life. I mean, we could be helping so many people move away from burnout and and just the rat race that this world has called us to that you're sometimes not even enjoying life because it's just going by so fast and you just feel so exhausted through it you know do you feel right. like since you've started applying these well two questions for you as we're kind of wrapping up the first one is when did you get to a point where you felt like you needed some boundaries and parameters around your life like why did that happen and since then how has life been better
1: Well, I think the first time I really, gosh, I can think of several moments. I can think of, I I was burned out even in my early 20s at my job, but I was working like 80 hours a week and I was just exhausted. But I think the first time that I got intentional with it was um, soon after getting married because I realized I've now walked down the aisle I have vowed to spend my life with this person and how you spend your time is how you spend your life. So then I realized, well, my decisions have an effect on another person, even though we didn't have kids at that time. My my default is yes. So I'm an extrovert. So when I said yes to every social thing ever and I realized my husband does not get joy from this, oh, maybe I should stop and like, I don't know, consult with him before I commit us to things. So I think that's where I started to get more intentional with it. But one of the things I do like to encourage people is when you are in a hard season, or a hard day, it can feel so big and so overwhelming that you can begin to draw conclusions that your whole world is out of balance, and it's not. Yeah. If you're having a hard day, it could just be a hard day. Yeah. If you're really, really tired, you might just need some more sleep. So yes, if you have felt like this for three years, yeah. there's a clue something needs to change. Right. But if you just had a hard day or a tough week, Don't let that make you believe your whole life is out of balance. You just had a hard day and you might need some extra sleep. So sometimes our feelings feel like uh, it can last forever and it can skew our perspective on reality. But I will tell you the thing that has been so helpful to me about since I've gotten more intentional with this and even certainly since writing the book and practicing very literally what I teach in the book, the practice of asking myself what's right right now is a rhythm I revisit every day and even multiple times through a day. And we don't realize how often we're focusing on what we're not doing, on where we think we're failing, on where we're not, what's yet to be done. Simply going, hey, what's right right now brings my focus on what's in front of me. It allows me to be more present. It allows me to experience moments when I'm in them, enjoy them more, be proud of them, and, and importantly, shake the guilt. And so um, I have become less reactive mm. when a text comes through saying, hey, we need you to be at XYZ. I'm like, mm, is that right right now? Nope. So it's an easy no to your point of protecting my time. So just the, the rhythms we get in, it's not a formula you follow and then you never struggle with it again right. because we're human and there's always going to be more needs and demands and opportunities than we have time for. But if you can get into the rhythm of reassessing how you're doing, what you need, and most of all, what's right right now, then it will help you always have clarity about what you should be doing and what you don't want to be doing. And then you're able to focus on what's right for you.
0: I love that. And, and for people who aren't like me, no is my favorite word, but for some people, it's a lot harder to say no. And I love that idea of, is this right right now? Because it actually gives you an easy out to say, right. you know what, this isn't right for now. You're not actually even right. saying no long-term. Right. It, it, we'll, we'll reassess in a different season, right. but it's not right for now. And I love that. I love the practical approach to this. Where can people find you and learn more about this message that you've got?
1: Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's christywright.com slash balance. And of course, you can get the book anywhere books are sold.
0: And the book is called Take Back Your Time by Christy Wright. Thank you so much for joining us, Christy. Oh, my gosh. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast and spending your time with me today. If you're looking to go deeper with getting healthy and making healthy relationships, I invite you to check out any of my books, True Love Dates, Choosing Marriage, Love in Every Season, Are You Really Okay, or Married Sex. You can find out more information about those books as well as hundreds of articles and resources and courses over at my blog, truelovedates.com. I love connecting with you, so please find me on Facebook or Instagram at Debra Felata and give me a shout out. If you have questions on your mind, reach out to me at truelovedates.com slash love and relationships. If you're loving what you're hearing on this show, friends, please be sure to follow on your podcast app and then leave us a rating and review because it makes all the difference in getting the word out about this show. I'm Deborah Felata, and it was so great being together today. And I can't wait to chat with you again next week. Take care.